Well, welcome everybody to the first November edition on the second of November. That's a really awkward way to phrase that, and I apologize for that already. But edition <laughs> of Cascadian Views here with Dan. Howdy, howdy! Uh, it's the first Sunday after the first Saturday after the first Friday before the election, and yeah, it's the last day before daylight savings time, so I won't be quite as tired at work. Uh, yeah. This is the hour I get back that I gave away in the spring, and I continue my campaign to say we don't need to do this. It's needlessly complicated. I say we keep it the way it is now and just never change it. Yeah. So if I'm correct, uh, I believe that's the only legal way to do it in the United States. Yeah, I I think so. There is a federal law that prohibits you from eliminating daylight savings time, but as a bit of a workaround, there is not a law that prohibits you from always having daylight. Right. Well, I mean, we, I think Washington State, we'd passed a law to do exactly that, but for some reason we're still, I, I guess it must be contingent on other states or other, you know, other governments also doing the same because we are going to fall back tomorrow also. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it wastes tons of, of productivity. Uh, it's geared towards an agrarian system that no longer exist, uh, or should say it's geared towards adapting society mm-hmm. to an agrarian system that no longer exists, so that cities would be more or less forced to follow the farmer schedule, uh, where the rooster crows earlier and earlier in the morning as summer goes on, and just to sync things up, they, they add the extra hour into there to, to get the, the times lined up. Um, it's dumb. <laughs> So I think you're saying we can blame this on the Iowa caucuses too, right? Probably something yeah. pretty close to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm willing to do it. Let's abolish it all. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I didn't actually really submit any national stories this week. Uh, the only one we talked about pre-show was the House voted to um, officially authorize an impeachment inquiry, which is not right. required, and a federal judge is even know very explicitly ruled on that issue just a week and a half ago that congress has no constitutional obligation to hold any sort of vote declaring anything they can just do things Mm -hmm. Um, republicans have been crowing about this authorization of impeachment vote Um, they have a little bit of a leg to stand on congress did do this for um, clinton and nixon right Uh, it didn't have to just chose to uh but they're going to be pissed about the whole process anyway. I don't know why we held the damn thing. I, I think it's kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's given them a little bit of an opportunity to paint it as partisan because basically every Republican voted against it and a couple of Democrats did as well. But, every uh, accepted Republican voted against right. it. Right. Yeah. voted for Amash it. Amash voted for it, yeah. But he's already been kicked out of the party because he wants to right. Yeah, I mean that's kind of disappointing. You know, at least a handful of the you know ones that were kind of poking their heads up and you know saying they were disturbed by the president's behavior. You know, I think uh, what was it? Will Hurd was one. Uh, you know, a few of the others that were all are all, all all on their way out the door, but still were saying you know this is really bad behavior by the president. He shouldn't be doing this. Yet they said, well, he should not be subject to any consequences for it. So go figure that. You know what got me to think they might have gotten some of them, even though I was sorely disappointed? Did you see the interview Assad gave? Assad, of all fucking people, 
to uh, American media? Bashar, him or his uh, spokesperson candidate? Him. He sat down really? in a room. Uh, yeah, with a journalist, gave an interview, and he specifically talked about Trump reversing course to secure the oil fields and, and how that played in the region. And, you know, I don't even have to say have to read between the lines. Trump said he was sending troops back in to secure the oil. Like that, that was his stated reason. I thought just the crassness of that was going to net at least a couple of Republicans. Yeah. I was sorely disappointed to see that Wasn't just a he... single one in on that. Also talking about how we were going to do mercenary work for Saudi Arabia or some ridiculous thing like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to pay us to do military operations and just yeah, this ask, awful. And... Ask why we were moving them to Saudi Arabia. You said they pay better. Well, that's disgusting. It's yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, so we are officially in an impeachment inquiry for again, you know, the fourth time in American history. So here we go. Oh, and excuse me, I want to correct myself. It was actually he gave the interview to Syrian TV, but it was clearly aimed at getting play in America. Um, he right. talked all about America through it. Um, talked about how. Trump is the best American president due to his complete transparency, was a quote from there. Uh, but all they are is a group of criminals who represent the interest of the American lobbies of large corporations and weapons, oils, and others. Uh, he said he gives Trump credit for at least being transparent about his interest, namely oil. He said Trump's decision to keep a small number of U.S. troops in the Kurdish-held areas of, Sir of Syria where they have oil showed that Washington was a colonial power that was doomed to leave when Syrians resist their occupation as they are in Iraq. Would you, who do we want more than a transparent foe, Assad said. Wow. Okay. Sure. Yeah, so, God, it was just, I can't believe not a single Republican voted for that. How can an entire party just be well, I mean, a little bit before the election, we were kind of talking about how the dynamic is that any Republicans that survived last year, you know, as harsh an environment as that was for the party, they're in bulletproof seats. And the only thing that really gets them in trouble that could potentially end their careers is uh, provoking a primary challenge. By not supporting Trump enough. I thought Democrats were still favored to gain even more seats in this 2020 election. I mean, a few, but there would have to be some very near misses. And I think the ones that we lose are, I mean, I don't know. I, it seems to me like we've probably hit a high mark, watermark. The only difference might come from a few states like, uh, I want to say North Carolina, where they're being told they have to redraw their maps. Uh, that's the the only one that really jumps out at me. Uh, I mean, we've got a couple of also places where they've got Republicans who barely held on in 2018 that are deciding to hold, that deciding to throw it in, like uh, Will Hurd. He's another one. I think he won by just a few hundred votes. Uh, but you got to balance that. You know, we're going to be trying to defend, you know, very, very, very close seats like uh, Ben McAdams in, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in Utah. Lucy McBath, Georgia. Exactly. Less than, uh, 1%. But his district won 15% for, uh, for 
Clinton. I don't quite understand a lot of dynamics, but 270 mm-hmm. to win forecast has Republicans starting out the gate losing five seats. Really? Huh. And then All right. uh, everything else is, there, there's some toss-ups, you know. Democrats sure. aren't guaranteed to win all of them, but they're they're only rated, you know, lean or better in 192 seats, and they currently have 197. Huh. Well, how about that? The, the suburban, like, rural divide is intensifying, and it turns out that gerrymandering your suburbs up to within an inch of their life uh, is kind of a bad thing when the demographics shift against you that decisively. I mean, we're watching the country as a whole turn into a bunch of dummy bandits in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's the very end of the uh, 2000... Uh, 2011 maps so yeah. yeah it's i think any kind of gerrymander you did way back in you know 2011 2012 there's been the most time for that to change and uh, conditions to deteriorate for what made sense for holding the house back in 2012 so kind of on that whole redistricting sort of thing did you see the case about the uh i believe it was mississippi's governor election might have been alabama so i could just uh, no, but the Mississippi is holding a governor's election well, then, uh, on it, Tuesday. Yeah, then it's the Mississippi one. Um, they they have a very strange uh, election system there. They have both the popular vote rule. The candidate who wins has to get a plurality of the, uh, the popular vote. And then right. they have a uh, electoral vote rule, which is the candidate has to win a uh, plurality of the vote in a majority of the congressional so that sounds like it's a white voter protection rule. <laughs> well, kind of. It, it has never actually been enforced before in the in the case that, or in the sense that they've never had to. There's mm-hmm. never. Uh, oh, and in the case that there is a division in that, the state legislature gets to decide who the governor is. Ah. It's like the election never happened. Yeah. So uh, this is being challenged, and the court heard it. Uh, the court has basically gone on record saying it's unconstitutional. Uh, they, they make that point very explicitly. They are not overturning it uh, because of, A, very strong guidance that you shouldn't mess with election laws this close to an election, uh, coupled with the fact that it's never actually come into play before. But they, they very strongly signaled in the, uh, and by strongly signaled, I mean they said they would, uh, step in and do something in the case that this election was decided by. Like, if it turned out to actually impact something, they would enjoin it. And uh, they're going to give the state a couple legislative sessions to fix their, their voting laws. Uh, but otherwise, they'd have to come up with a remedy themselves, they said. Uh, and they explicitly point to the county unit rule, which uh, comes out of the case in Georgia, I guess, where counties were awarded certain weights based on how there and blah 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 mm-hmm. and turned out your vote was worth more in some counties than others and like you said it was a white voter protection racket yeah uh, mm. so yeah uh, you just got me thinking about that when you sure about house districts and didn't mean to dump that in there no 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 i mean that's interesting i mean it's looks closer than a typical at least from the polling looks closer than a typical mississippi governor's race is going to be there's a couple of polls that have it within Within a few points here or there, but, uh, huh, interesting. Yeah, so they, uh, they're going to have to change that. The, the county unit rule was ruled unconstitutional like a century. 
uh, and Mississippi just at no point changed their constitution. And nobody yeah. noticed it because it never came into effect. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we can wrap back around to our local topics, of which we actually yeah. have a, a few of them. One's a retirement. Oregon's lone Republican in federal office. We have a senator. Uh, his name is Greg Walden. He is senator for the eastern two-thirds of the state. Um, plus a big chunk of the south, a little bit closer to the coast. But the, the rural timber part of Oregon, for the most part, outside the, the, the house five corridor. The house rep, you mean? So, like, house district two, I want to say? Uh, let me actually pull that up right now. There's a big old retirement article on the front yeah. page of the Oregonian. Let's see. Yeah, second second district. House district two. Yeah, it's it's the eastern. All of eastern state. Oregon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and a bunch of southern Oregon. It's not all in the east part down there. It wraps around to include a, a lot of like uh, Klamath and all that. That's more in the middle area. Right. Of the state. Yeah, that does sneak back to I five, I guess. Yeah. And almost. I don't think it ever quite touches, unless I'm very wrong on that. Uh, just barely. Okay. Just barely. I because uh, it goes. So is, all... it, is it picking up Ashland and all that down there? Yeah, looks like it's got oh, Medford. God, that's such a mismatch for that town. Yeah. 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 Well, back with you know everything else that's you know east of. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's a huge portion of the state. Yeah, absolutely, man. He's our our only Republican. Uh, and he's he's actually quite a powerful one. Uh, up until Democrats won the House uh, in 2018, he was the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, which is one of the largest committees in the House, uh, directs a huge amount of funding. Uh, now he's ranking member. His funding in life is not nearly as much fun in the minority as it was when he was in the majority. And uh, he doesn't think Republicans really have much of a chance of coming back into the majority in a while. So he's going home. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's no fun being in the minority, really. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's not in any trouble, uh, which he wanted to lay out explicitly. He does a lot of defending his own record in his announcement. Uh, mm -hmm. He goes out of his way to say he could win if he ran. Uh, he said, based probably. On, quote, based on recent polling, strong fundraising, and the back end of my wife and family, I'm confident I could earn the support of second district voters for another term. I'm also optimistic that a path exists for Republicans to recapture a majority in the House and that I could return for two more years as chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. But I also know that for me, my time has come to pursue new challenges. So I will not seek re-election to the U.S. House of Representatives nor election to any other office, but instead I will close the public service chapter of my life. Thankful for the friends I've made and successful work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he just wants to get out of town. And well, he's, sure. he's lying through his teeth as he sees a path for Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not, he's, a, he's not a dumb man. <laughs> yeah, if he did, he'd be sticking around. He could, yeah, do more of whatever it is that he likes to do, you know, deregulate. <laughs> <laughs> deregulate, uh, you know, the fossil fuel industries or, you know. <laughs> Open up public rant, lands to cattle ranchers. Sure. Know, the, the things that yeah. Eastern Oregon is interested Get in. photo ops with the Bundys, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been around for a while, since 1998. That's a long time in the 
Yeah. Like that's he's gonna be a US rep for twenty two years. And there's no way he's winning a Senate election here. So, no. you know, where's he going? Mm-hmm. Sure. Might as well retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a, a long-serving Republican. Uh, the 1994 class was one of the largest freshman classes uh, in Washington's history, and there was not a single one of them that got elected. So the turnover rate's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was quite a bit of churn there. The House has changed hands, you know, three times since then. So that's going to be a lot of turnover. Let's see here. I was just going to see exactly where he was on seniority because I expect he's damn near the top for Republicans. Maybe not damn near the top. They've got like Don Young who's been sure. Fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Anywho. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that is a bit of a sea change because, yeah, I think the last time there was a big turnover, I mean, they've added – See here was I think Schrader was uh, one that took a seat that had been Republican back in 2008. That was down in Salem, and then that same year, uh, Merkley beat uh, Smith, right? Gordon Smith, I want to say. Yep, Gordon. Smith. Yes, and those are really the only uh, turnover I think in Oregon House representation in the last probably 15 some years. Very stable. Yeah, we, we might. I, I think we might actually lose a seat uh, coming no. up. Oh, really? It's at least a possibility. Huh. Hold on a second. I'd, I'd have assumed gaining, but... Yeah, I, I may be remembering that wrong. Let me, yeah. me double-check that. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. We're likely to gain one seat. Not guaranteed. Yeah. But likely to. Um, Texas is flat-out guaranteed to gain Right. Um, California may or may not lose a seat. And then New York's going to lose a bunch of seats. Yeah. New York is no longer the second most populous state in the country. I did not realize that had changed. They're not yeah, even it's the behind, what, behind Texas and Florida now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I guess that's just a case of not updating internal benchmarks since I was like, fuck. But I've yeah. I've just defaulted to thinking that after California, New York was the biggest state. No, I think uh, at least it was. I think it was the two thousand two thousand census that uh, they got eclipsed at least for second. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the last little bit we're talking about here is the elections going on in Washington and how much uh, ridiculous money is being spent is one of the big topics up there. We talked about this a little bit at the Seattle City Council elections right. last time around. Uh, and it was just it was hundreds of thousands of dollars for a city council seat and spending. It's much worse than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's been in a number of races around the state. I mean, the one thing that brought it to my attention is up here in Whatcom County, it's uh, become a big issue in our county executive office, which is, you know, the, again, the executive branch, basically, to our county council. And there's been, you know, a bit of a, a balancing act there. You know, we've got, you know, a fairly liberal, you know, core in Bellingham and in some of the larger outlying communities like uh, Ferndale, but uh, there's also a lot of fairly conservative land (laughs) with some people in there too. Uh, And that ends up coming to a head for, again, elections to 
you know, the county executive position, which is, of course, elected countywide. And uh, the longtime county executive is stepping down. There are a couple of candidates open for that. Uh, one is a member of the county council, Seth Paul Sidhu, uh, definitely part of the more liberal and progressive block on the county council. And uh, then opposing him is, uh, oh, shoot, I, Tony Larson. That's right. That's the guy's name. And he is the head of one of the uh, local business groups, uh, got a lot of support from the area Republicans uh, and a lot of support now from some outside packs dropping. I guess the total was around a hundred. I think it was about a hundred thousand dollars just over the course of this weekend. Let's see here. Phillips 66 spent seventy thousand uh, dollars and let's see. So that's at least that one right there. I'm sure there was more I'd seen. But it's you know just a pretty striking amount for again a local election. But uh, there are a number of oil refineries and other uh, other again fossil fuel extraction industries that are active in Whatcom County, and they do have a pretty strong interest in you know, having friendly people yeah, within the county government. So they're spending pretty hard on this one and dropping a lot here in the very last days of the campaign on behalf of uh, this, uh, Tony Larson character. And then uh, all across the state, I mean, the other one that was hided, cited in this uh, post-intelligencer article that I was looking at was out of Spokane, uh, the race there for mayor. Uh, there's, looks like, wow, so $688,000 in independent spending on the over the mayor of Spokane. Over the mayor of Spokane. How can anybody care who the mayor of Spokane is? Realtor, Washington Realtors Pack, I guess, uh, was up for nearly a quarter million there. Uh, oh, yeah, a quarter million between them and the National Association of Realtors. Jesus I guess Christ. it's a housing market that might be heating up or something. Who would want to move to Spokane? Good question. You know, you know I guess people want to live close to Idaho, but not quite there. But yeah. There I, are 200,000 people in the city of Spokane and like 600,000 in the metro area. 700,000 in the central Yeah, area. it's the second largest uh, metro area in Washington, I believe. So, yeah. But, ugh. A lot of money being spent on yeah, a mayor's race. The uh, Spokane mayor's race is quite a checkered history, if I remember right. There have been some real characters. Yeah. A lot of it's... people getting arrested, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad we don't have JJ here, our uh, Spokane expert. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of weird mix because it is pretty much the only, or, I mean, there's Tri-Cities as well, but it's really the main, more urbanized area in all of eastern Washington. But a lot of the conservative areas surround it are convinced it's, you know, a communist Mecca. And so they're extra <laughs> hateful towards it. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we make fun of Spokane, but the people around it probably do even more. So <laughs> I, I just, I can't imagine what your life looks like when you look at Spokane as the uppity liberals. Uh, that's, <laughs> well, it's how it appears from a militia compound, I guess. Oh my God. <laughs> So you've uh, you've kind of been watching the the growth of outside money in Washington elections. 
Mountains over a, a number of years. You've you've lived there for a while now. Yeah, it's and again, it's creeping down the ballot. You know, we you know we talked about it with the uh, city council race down in Seattle. Um, some of that I think is coming up just because you know we've got a clash between an increasingly progressive population in a number of the city centers. I think you know Bellingham is another like that. But Seattle definitely is on you know the front lines of that with a uh, city council that's you know moved pretty decisively to the left in the last decade, and at the same time, you've got a very wealthy and very powerful uh, group of you know corporate interests that also operate in the city and would like to avoid having to be on the hook for a large social program financed by municipal taxes. So yeah, there's a lot of investment there to, I guess, hold the line on um, how progressive the city might elect to be. Now, how much power does Seattle actually have over that? Down in, down in San Francisco, I mm-hmm. know the Bay Area is able to kind of coordinate a lot of very progressive stances through a lot of of governmental layers that sit above the city, various, you know, regional councils that are able to actually implement law that applies across either the six county or nine county mm-hmm. definition of the Bay Area and all that. Uh, the Air Quality Board, for example, the Water Quality Board was the one that banned plastic bags throughout the Bay Sure. Um, um, Seattle, as far as I know, doesn't have any of those sorts of layers set up, and already a lot of these businesses are are in the suburbs. I mean, Boeing is yeah. in Seattle itself. Their plants are all out in like Everett and other places. Uh, Microsoft is out in, in uh, the Redding, right? Yes. Uh, well, Redmond. Redmond. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and most of their employees are living in areas like Bellevue and Redden. And, yeah, and Costco is in Kirkland sure. and whatnot. You know, already there's a lot that's outside of Seattle, but the city limits proper. Are they right. really able to threaten the you know the livelihood of businesses business wants you to believe? Is that like really even a valid concern? Like, what does uh, Boeing care if Seattle implements a wealth tax, for example? Right. I mean, Boeing not so much. Amazon uh, has been, I think, very very concerned about things like head taxes and things like that for that have been proposed on on businesses. I think they do have a, a lot of their operations are actually yeah, in the do. city proper. Uh, also, I mean, Seattle has had the capacity to kind of set the agenda on a lot of these items. I mean, we talk about nationwide movements like the Fight for 15, uh, Seattle and SeaTac. Well, Seattle, I think that was the first place that actually had, you know, targeted $15 minimum wage, and that was set, you know, not by an initiative, but that was set by the county count, the city council, that set things forward on that. So they are on the front lines of, you know, some ideas that have kind of emerged from the left in the last decade, but have been, you know, steadily moving towards the mainstream. And, you know, that $15 an hour minimum wage, I think is there. That's the default position for a democratic candidate. Yeah. Yeah. I think pretty much every, anybody now is saying a $15 national minimum wage and, yeah, that's, you know, you look to where the first big successful blows for that were struck. That's, you know, Seattle, Washington. So, I mean, it certainly sets the tone for the rest of the country. And if you've got more of an, you're more of a fiscally conservative and, you know, less, you know, less in line with, you know, having the, uh, you know, taxes paid by the rich go towards 
making life better for people who aren't so rich, then you definitely got an interest in trying to nip that in the bud in one of the places where it's happening. So uh, do you have any endorsements you want to make in this upcoming election? Oh, um, well, I don't really know much at all about the uh, city council uh, down in Seattle. I mean, no, I know no, that. No. I was just oh, up here? any seats at all that you want to uh, stay oh. for preferred candidate. Well, I was out knocking on doors for Sat Paul Sadu out last weekend. I think, you know, it's really the best best choice we got here in Bellingham County for the uh, Whatcom County executive. Um I don't know much about many other races statewide. We've got a mayor's race, but that's between two Democrats who are both pretty good. Okay. So. <laughs> that's, I'm jealous of your choices. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, it's it's this uh, – well, we've got this jungle primary like California does. But uh, so far, at least around here, it turns out mostly okay. All right. Well, next week we'll be back. I believe we should have some election results out of uh, at least a couple of Kentucky, Louisiana, and – Mississippi. And Georgia. And Georgia. There we go. We'll have a lot of They're legislative races. Yeah. All right. Have a good week, Dan. YouTube rock. Later. Bye.